0: going on in the world and even all the kinds of things that were prayed about uh, during our prayer time, like why would we go through Romans right now? Like why not uh, through one of the other epistles or why not um, even through one of the Gospels, because guys, the an- we all know, and, and, and you heard in the prayer time, the antidote to all that was being prayed about, the reality of the war that is going on, the antidote is Jesus Christ. So why not go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? Well, I'll tell you, because Jesus is as much in the Gospel of Romans as he is in the Gospel of Matthew. And we are going to see the antidote to all of our problems as we go through this amazing letter. I talked last week about how the, the gospel, the Evangelion, is used throughout this letter. It is the good news of God. And how you can take this letter and you can divide it up a few different ways. So last week I talked about how one, this is how you can divide up the whole letter of Romans. There's not one right way to do this, but one of the ways we talked about last week was you can say the first four chapters are, are the righteousness revealed. And then chapters 5 through 8 are righteousness applied. So how is that righteousness applied to us? And then, right, and then um, verse, chapters 9 through 11 would be righteousness fulfilled. How did God fulfill that righteousness in the working of people, the Jews and the Gentiles? And then lastly, it was righteousness united with the last um, chapters 12 through 16. But that's not the only way you could look at it. Here's another way. I'll share more as we go through the series. Another way you can look at this is why we need the gospel, Romans 1 through 3. And we're spending a few weeks just to get there. Because we really, if we don't understand why we need the gospel, we won't really embrace the gospel. And then you can go on to chapters 4 through 8 and say, what is the gospel? Paul's going to lay out in great detail, here's what the gospel is in chapters 4 through 8. And then how do we get the gospel? Like, how do we get it applied to us? That's chapters 9 through 11. And then how do we live out the gospel? is the rest of the story in chapters 12 through 16. So those are just a couple of ways that you could, you could work your way through this letter. But here's what I want you to understand about the letter of Romans. Paul is passionately wanting to show us a couple of things. That, two things, really. Well, first one is, God is glorious, he is righteous, he is holy. And the second thing is, God fulfills his promises. If we can just hold on to those two things, here's who God is. And here's what God does. We will get the message that Paul wants us to get in Romans, that God wants us to get in Romans. That is what the gospel is. Look at your, um, your, your uh, training worksheet on, the, on there, it has a place for you to take notes. on the back side. it has some talking points. And your first talking point I just want to ask, and I am going to ask you to just tell me out loud, shout out loud, what keeps you? from sharing the euangelion? Let's say that word together again. We said it last week, euangelion. One more time, euangelion. That's the Greek word for gospel, right? What keeps us from sharing the gospel? I'm asking. Rejection, Rejection. good. Thank you for being honest right out of the gate, Jack. Good. Judgment, Judgment. people judging us, good. What? I'm sorry. Busyness. Busyness. Yeah, like, man, I'm, I don't have time. I'm, I go into a store. I, I don't have time to look around. I don't want to look at anybody because I might actually get in, end up in a conversation that I just don't have time for, right? Okay, good. What else? Fear. Fear. Good. Rejection. So yeah, just being like, just like, like, like the this is guys. One of the lies that the enemy has spread since the time of Paul in Romans, but it's continued on, is that people don't want to hear the good news. Now we see evidence that that's true, but it's not nearly as true as we think it is, right? It, what what we have to understand, and, and even if they don't want to hear it, it doesn't keep us from having the responsibility of sharing it. And we'll talk about that when we get to our first point. But on, in, your hand, in your bulletin, also, there was a pink flyer, and it had some different ways that you can share the gospel. And we've handed this out before, so it's not new to many of you, but I just wanted to point it out one more time, or again, because here's something like, the, the better you get at knowing how to approach God's story, the better you'll get at sharing it. And so one of the ways that you can do that is what we call God's sin... Christ response, or sometimes you'll hear it called God man Christ response, but it's basically that God created everything perfectly. We rebelled, man sinned. God's plan from that point, not from the New Testament, but from that point was to send his son Jesus Christ to redeem back that which was lost. That's Christ. Right? And then the last thing that we need to is is our, like our role in it, which is how do we respond to that? And we're going to see all of those things in this message today. Today's message I'm calling, Are You Ashamed of the Gospel? Are You Ashamed of the Gospel? And guys, we're only going to go through two verses today. Can you, two, and you're like, okay, cool. Two verses. Doug will actually end on time today. No, I won't. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, I won't. And some of it will be my fault, and some of it will be the Holy Spirit, and some of it will be Scott's, and some of it will be just who you'll see. Yeah, it just, it just is, it is what it is. But guys, I had other places we were going to turn today to sort of make the... We're not even going to turn. We are going to be in two verses, and we're going to keep our nose in the book. Because there is more in these two verses than we can get to Today. Guys, five or six of the most important words in all of Scripture that are used throughout Scripture are found in just these two verses. I have not studied more for a message in years. And it was only two verses. I'm like, oh, even even I was like, oh, cool. I'll have a short study week this week. And then I started digging, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. You will never get to the end of the beauty that we're about to see. And so, how can two verses say so much? Well, here's how. If you open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, because that's where we're just now starting this passage, before we even get to the message, I just want to show you why these two verses are so critical and why the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write them so, um, with so much meat. Here's why. Look back at kind of where we ended last week. Look at chapter 1, verse 15. So here's Paul, I, Paul, the apostle. It's all a greeting. And then he ends his greeting part of the letter with, I am eager to share the gospel with you. Right? For I am eager to share the gospel with you. Now now look at verse 18, which is, we're going to look at verses 16 and 17 today. Verse 15 is Paul's going, I'm eager. That's the mission. Now here's why he's so eager. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. The two verses in between are him telling us, here's what really matters. Because these two things are true. The gospel is so good, I'm compelled to share it. And the wrath of God is so fierce, I'm scared for the people that don't know it. I want to tell you about it. And that's what verses 16 and 17 are about. So the way this works, and I talked about this last week, Paul was a, was a man of prepositions. And there are these four subordinate clauses, they call them in Greek. So it's saying, because I'm eager to share the gospel, and because the wrath of God is coming, here's some subordinate clauses that explain why and connect these points. And they're described in four fours. Four, F-O-U-R, fours, F-O-Rs. So what are those four fours? Well, take a look at what those four fours are. It's verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's one. For it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. That's the, other, that's the second four to the Jew first and to the Greek. This is also our outline for today, by the way. Verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Now, the, the fourth four isn't actually the word for, but it's an implied for. Because he says there, as it is written, or you could say, for as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. So that brings us to our question today. So, so guys, I'm just going to tell you right up front, there's a ton here today. I hope it feeds your soul and not just your head, right? But that is part of my fear, and I'm going to pray to that end again in just a minute that it would go from here to here. But guys, understand that, that we can't just be people of theology, I love the train, what's going on in the training center, man. Our discussion on Tuesday was phenomenal, and it, it's only going to get better. If you're, not having, if you're not in, you can jump in Tuesdays in the morning, in the evening. There's information on our website, and probably out in the lobby. You can come join us, but you can't, you can't wait. If you don't jump in like this week, then it's too late because we're too far gone. So, But I love theology. I love the theology of Romans. But guys, if we're studying theology for theology's sake, then we're getting it all wrong. right? Ultimately, we need to be studying theology so that, it, so that it shows itself in the shoe leather of our lives. So I wanted to think of a question that, that took us out of the clouds and down to, to like the people on the street. So the question we're asking today is, does your life give evidence that you believe heaven is your home? Wait, minute, I, I, wait the, the, the title of today's message is, Are You Ashamed of the Gospel? Well, the question that hopefully you see could flow out of that is, does your life give evidence that you actually believe heaven is your home. And we're going to look at that question this week and next week from different perspectives. And what Paul's going to show us in these four fours are this. It will give evidence if you boldly share his power-filled story about his overwhelming righteousness that leads to a life of faith. And that's our four points today. So, without further ado, let me jump right into our first point that answers the question, does your life give evidence that you really believe that heaven is your home. So the first thing is, do you share the gospel boldly? Look at what he says in verse 16. You heard it read already? You hopefully read it this morning in your daily reading. I just read it a minute ago too. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. There's our first four. Guys, here's here's why he was not ashamed of the gospel. It consumed him. From the moment Paul had the encounter with the risen Christ, his life was all about sharing that message. Because it changed him. And we're going to see how it changed him in the rest of the passage and why he was so passionate about it. But the question is, has it changed us at that level? Has the gospel so invaded your life that even though there are real reasons, to, you feel rejection, you feel fear, you feel all those things that we just were throwing out around the room, you're like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Because the gospel just that glorious. Like, I just have to do it. I am compelled to do it. Guys, think about this. This isn't just whacked out Paul, who maybe had a, had a crazy experience with Jesus. I want you to think about this. Why don't we listen to Jesus more when, when he says stuff like this in, Rome, in Matthew chapter 10? If you will acknowledge me before my Father in heaven, or if you will acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father. And if you deny me, before men, I will deny you before my Father, because it's almost like we just wipe that stuff out of our Bibles, because we have because we, because we are afraid. We are the enemy has shamed us. All the things we've spent a lot of time talking about here at Cross Train, and all of a sudden it's like that's my reason I don't do it. Well, in light of the words of Jesus, what is that saying about us? Because I'll be honest, I mean. The words of our Savior there ought to scare us at some level into sharing the gospel. If you deny me, guys, denying Him can look a lot of ways. He will deny us. Now, part of what we have to get better at is getting over our shame. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Get over our shame. Just get busy about the gospel and and realize that, that it's not us they're rejecting, it's Him. Right? But, but, what we all, but part of why we struggle with our role in sharing is what we have, even if we're willing to do it, even if we go and do it, here's what we do. We, we don't think we're successful unless they respond and get saved. Guys, is that your job? No. Can you even do that? No. What's our job? Share. Not save. Save's his job. Their response to you telling them the truth is entirely up to God. Our job is to share. So what we have got to get better at is counting sharing and not saving. Every time you share the gospel with somebody in some form, you are doing your job. So I'm going to invite Scott to come up, and he's going to talk a little bit about some people that we engage with that are not ashamed of the gospel. And he's going to share the gospel moment during the message because it makes this point. So Scott, let me get my junk out of the way and let you have at it. Go.
1: Good morning, church. We're going to just start by ingraining this in our heads, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Say it. I didn't hear everyone. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For, I am not of the of Christ. For it is the power. power. Do you hear that power? That's a cool word, isn't it? <laughs> of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Amen. That word "power" just resonated in my spirit this week as I'm as I'm. As this is marinating in my soul, who has been touched by that power? We've all, if if we're in Christ, we have been touched by the power of God in the gospel. This is a radical power that can transform us from the inside out. There's no other power like this. That is our God, that is who we serve had the great privilege of going down to Mexico. There was a four-pack of us uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Taylor and Farron, would you guys raise your hands? Back there in the corner. Um, thank you guys for, for being obedient to Christ, for organizing this, for doing all the legwork. All the credit for all the legwork that went into this trip is back there. Thank you guys for just being obedient to Christ. Thank you, Mo. For joining us on that trip and being a blessing in such a mighty way. Um, so we got to go down and spend time with a ministry that uh, some of you might be familiar with. It's called I-68. I had never had personal experience with them. And so we went to go check out what God is doing in this community in Mexico. And I'm telling you, my, uh, I'm blown away. I'm really, we've gone on other trips. We've partnered with other missions down there, and what we, what we all saw was really something incredible. And I just want to try and at least give you some of what we experienced. Um, so the first few slides here is going to be showing you the feeding center, and I'm going to totally mess up how to pronounce this, and Farron's going to correct me if I'm wrong, but this is called Pande Vita. Did I say that right? Pan de Vida. All right, see? And so that means like bread of life or something. Uh, bread of life. All right, cool. And so what is cool about this is that this is placed, injected. Whoever has ever taken like a special recipe when they're doing their turkey at Thanksgiving and they take a syringe full of, of the good stuff and they inject it right in the middle of that turkey, right? That's what... That's what I 6 8 has done. They've taken the sweet power, awesomeness of God, and they have injected it right in the middle of this community. They're, they're in it. They're, they are a resource there. So hold on, go back a little. We're, we're sliding through some slides too fast. <laughs> okay, so Panda, Panda Vita, right? This is the feeding center, and this is just a, a, a young lady who said, you know what? I, I just want to be resourceful, I have some land. What might it look like for me to say yes to Jesus? And, uh, you know, maybe we could use my land here. And so Isaac said, yes, let's build a feeding center. And so four days a week, they're making food. And this is a very particularly difficult area in that neighborhood. It's like the hardest place in that neighborhood. So if you go to the next slide, so for four days a week, they have people from the community just coming to get food. That's not the next slide. What in the world's going on here? Okay, well then, just uh, okay. So, there, so this is the area. They have benches there, right in front of this kitchen, and just people from the community come, and they ex- they get a, a warm meal, and then they get to hear the word of God preached. And so, um, here was us just engaging with the community a little bit prior to uh, the gospel being shared. So, go to, to the next slide. One of the one of the really, yeah. Go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is not right but that's right <laughs> we'll just kind of find it somewhere yeah sorry the story's all jabbled now so okay so there is a picture in here somewhere that I want to get to so just go forward we'll just skip around a little bit yeah keep going let's let's find it we'll get there we'll find it I'm, I'm confident well maybe we won't but we're gonna find it somehow okay there is a picture that's category corner to that to those yellow benches that you saw uh, back one. Yeah, we probably should have. Yes, right here. Okay, so this is literally right across the street, catty corner to that feeding center. So this is an example of the desperate need of that community, where at, like like an injection of Jesus right into in a community that really needs him, right? And so, uh, I mean, there was a man that was crawling in and out of uh, like a that doorway behind the tree, is like a, just a blanket is what his door is. And the reality of what's gone on in this community is just utter destruction. We're talking about um, an absence of godly men in an entire neighborhood. Lots of broken homes. Lots of split families. There's, there's uh, three kids in this household over here. The same dad then has kids over in this household and maybe over here, right? Just a lot of brokenness. And Isaac said, well, God said, right, right there. Inject me in right there. And so what has been incredible is just to watch faithful people just being available, being present, being the hands and feet of Jesus, feeding those who are hungry. What's amazing about everything they have going on down there is everything that they do is laced with the gospel. Everything and so I don't know what order to even go to now, because we're all just but I'm, maybe you can just cycle through slides while I talk because that'll work so there's a there's several different initiatives that they have going on, um, but what I, what, I, what what was really impressive to me is how practical they were. They have a coffee shop there, and so People from the community and kids from the community, they come in and they get coffee and they hang out and, and there's places for them to sit down. There's a nice, um, there's a nice, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm all messed up now. <laughs> there's a nice patio space, super epic space that the gospel is being shared there. So they'll, ha- they'll hang out and then they're going to get to hear about Jesus. Uh, there is an after school tutor building where they can get help for their school work and then they get to hear about Jesus. There's a there's a music center where they get to learn the guitar or the drums. There's a really talented young man named Daniel there, and they hear about Jesus. You know, there's a bakery, cinnamon rolls that are like to die for. I hear. I tried to get one, but they were closed. Their oven broke. So anyhow, we're gonna go, so we're gonna go back and get some cinnamon rolls. All right. So so if you want cinnamon rolls in Mexico, come with us. Uh, anyhow, that's a plug for future time. But. Um, but, you know, people get to hear about Jesus all the way through what's going on. And so we're really excited as a church to partner with I-6-8. Um, and, to, and, you know, I, I've caught the bug. And I, I see what's available. And um, Taylor and Farron, they've caught the bug too. And, and so I'm excited about their journey, about, um, you know, God's place on their hearts to be ready to be deployed as full-time missionaries in the future. And so be praying for them. Uh, one of the things that happened, one of the slides, was a dinner and I'll just share about that dinner um, because we got to bless uh, Taylor and Farron. They, they got to bless the families that, that are pouring into this community and that are feeding these, these, this, this whole neighborhood. And so um, the Lord really put it on their hearts to bless them. And invite them over for dinner. So we had a really, really great dinner. Uh, Mo and I were laughing because all we had was uh, Italian food in Mexico. We didn't have a single taco, but we had Italian food the whole time we were there. But it was really good. Uh, Farron made a a really incredible lasagna, and we had a really great time of fellowship and a really incredible time uh, of of an encounter with these families. And uh, so, two of these ladies, this lady right here, uh, let me see if I can get her name right. this is Cecilia, uh, that's closest to us here. And that is the one that had the land, her and her husband, Yako And so they donated the land for the feeding center to exist. And then um, over in the corner, there's Raymond and his wife, um, Terracita, And that's Cecilia's daughter. And so they're there in close proximity living there as well and are a blessing to that community. And then over here is Luis and... Uh, Nayala, N- 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 and so they live right next door to this feeding center. And so, what was really neat as well is we got to be part of a construction project, and so we got to put a help put a roof on uh, an extension of their home and. Um, So that's some of what these pictures are that when we got there that was just open air That was just big open air So just in the short amount of time that we were there So part of the things that they do They do all of these very practical things and some of what they do also is they they build homes And I know that a lot of you have been part of those projects in the past And so we're gonna we're gonna pray that God would uh, allow us to partner with them And so if this interests you we're gonna be putting together a trip Uh, Between now and summer is our goal, and I'll let you know the date for sure soon. But if this is something that interests you, we're going to look at what it looks like to join them, and partner them, and be the hands and feet of Jesus, because we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. And see, we have this privilege to share. We have this privilege to share. And so what does it look like for us to do this, not just in Mexico, but also here? And some of the things that I thought about of how they've injected this into their community, think about how we can make our homes available, right? Think about inviting your neighbors as they're watching the same news that you are. And they're watching some very scary things and they're destabilized to their core. Open your homes up, be available, be hospitable, make some food, invite them to church, love on them, um, Listen, just be available. We are the church for such a time as this, and we have the privilege to be able to not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Um, So I'm going to wrap up with that. Uh, One little thing, one thing you can do, all right? Call to action, all right? Who has an extra coffee mug that they're not using? Anyone? Raise your hand. All right, so... Bring them next week. We're going to collect them, and those are going to be things that we can bless that i 68 8 and that community uh, south of us, okay? We can bless our partners by bringing in some coffee mugs. Can we do that? Easy. All right, so we'll be in touch on all this. We'll tell you what's happening and what are the next things that we can do. But for now, be praying about how we can partner and join hands with our friends
0: with I-6-8. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah, amen. Like it's, um, I'm not going to belabor what Scott just said, because we're gonna be, you're going to be hearing more about that like, in the next few weeks, not in the coming weeks, but we're going to be, um, like God is just stirring some, in, in some really amazing ways, but, but ultimately here's where it started. It started with a guy named Scott, who's the, who started I-68, who just decided, I'm going to give my life away for the gospel. And it keeps going with people like Taylor and Farron, who are like, "I just want to give my life away for the gospel," and that includes my stuff, right? And so, and and that's how the gospel goes forward. That's what Paul did. Why was Paul not ashamed to share the gospel? Because the gospel had completely changed him, right? So the question, the first part of our thing was so. It, if if does your life our question is does your life give evidence that you believe heaven is your home well one do you boldly share like do you boldly share and and about and it's the word that that Scott used a few times about his power-filled story so open your bibles back up if they're not open like mine isn't and we're going to pick it up with our second point and see how what how does Paul describe God's power-filled story so look at the second half of verse 16, and we're going to just keep our nose in this book, and we're going to plow through um, this next verse and a half. It says, four. so there's our second four. So, for, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For, it is the power of God and salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then Jew the Greek. Now, your translation might say Gentile. It might even say nations, because that word can be translated. It's it's Paul's way, when he says to the Jew first and then the Greek, it's Paul's way of saying to all people, the whole world. And we'll get to more of what that, he he nuances that later in the letter, like all this stuff gets fleshed out later in this this long letter. But for now, just know that he's talking about, it's the power of God into salvation for all who believes, anyone in all the world. Now, let's look at those questions, let's look at those words. Remember I said Four, five, six of the most important words in the Bible are found in these two passages. One of them is right there in the word power. So he says, I'm not ashamed of the euangelion, for it is the power of God unto salvation. There are six words in Greek that he could have chosen for the word power. Six different words that describe the action of something powerfully. He chooses the word dunamis. Dunamis. Now what does that sound like? Dynamite. Dynamite. Guys, is that why he chose the word? No. How do we know that? Because dynamite wasn't even invented then. Don't be one of those people that goes, well, see Paul, wanted it to see, Paul wanted us to believe that somehow the gospel is like dynamite and blows things up, like it's so powerful. No. Gunpowder hadn't been invented for like, like a millennium. Like literally. Right? So, so what do you, the reason we call dynamite dynamite, TNT, which is trinitritylene? It's some chemical compound. The reason we call it dynamite is for the same reason Paul gives that Greek word to the to the word power related to the gospel. Because TNT, all by dynamite, all by itself, is powerful. You don't have to ignite dynamite. Sometimes, did you know that? Like I don't know who the dude was that invented it. One of you probably does. I remember reading about him when I was in, when I, a chemistry major. But, but guys, like my guess is the first few times he put it together, it blew up in his face. He probably walked around without eyebrows. Because, because dynamite all by itself will start to sweat, and it can, it can self-ignite. Now, what does that have to do with the gospel and the power of the gospel? Because the word dunamis, the reason Paul picked it is because it's, it's a description of power thats that it is because of the very nature of the thing that it has power. So in other words, it's not power like the power is displayed in its action. It's power because the thing itself, by its nature, has power. The compound TNT, by its nature, has power. The gospel... God's story, by its nature, has power. That's what Paul is trying to tell us right here. He's saying, the gospel, it's it's powerful. It's powerful like dynamite. But here's the difference in God's power. One of of my favorite Greek scholars that I've been reading for a long time, his name is Spiro Zodiades. I've quoted him before with a name like Spiro Zodiades. You have to have, you probably need to be a Greek scholar. But he says this, The gospel is not the dynamite of God. It is a sweet and loving message of mercy and grace, which the Holy Spirit in sovereign grace makes operative, makes it work, in the heart of the sinner, elected to salvation before the foundation of the universe. So the gospel is the completion of God's story because of its very powerful nature in a life who God chose to be saved. Because it's what what Jesus talks about in Acts 1. What does he say? And you will receive, Acts 1.8, and you will receive power. Guess what word he uses there? And you will receive dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses to the, end of the, to the ends of the earth. So, let's keep going. So it has this innate power in itself for something. For what? He tells us, for salvation. That's the Greek word soteria. It's where we get the word soteriology. In our training center program, one of the things we're going to talk about is we're going to spend two weeks talking about the soteriology of God, salvation. It's a word that's used more than 15 times in the book of Romans, the soteria of God. But but what does it mean? Well, Paul uses it primarily, get this, Paul uses it primarily, the word soteria, salvation primarily to talk about eschatological salvation. That means salvation at the end. He's talking about it from, we're transferred from this kingdom that is ruled by Satan as we prayed during our prayer time, and we are, we are soteriad, transferred, saved to his kingdom. Does that make sense? At the end, for all time. In it's a, it's a, the minute you are sealed in the spirit, that, that transaction is complete. It's called Justification. But he also but he also uses the word soteria to talk about the power to overcome sin. So it's it is the transfer, it is the just the act of being saved and it's also the power to overcome the gospel is why it's why I say here often we didn't need the gospel, we present tense need the gospel. We need the power The dunamis is the gospel, the Evangelion gives to us just to get through today. Guys, Hebrews and Peter, they they make this point just like Paul does. We've talked about this before, that we are saved. We have been transferred. We are being saved. And we will be saved when he comes again. It's this picture between what is often called an inaugurated eschatology, which just means that the salvation process started when Jesus came. And it will be consummated or completed when he returns. We're just stuck in this, and you've heard this term here a lot, already but not yet space. It's already done. There's a part of my salvation that is already done, and it cannot be undone. And yet there's this part where I'm not yet a finished work, right? It's, and, and that's what Paul is talking about here by using the word soteria, both of those ways. And then he says it's the soteria to everyone who believes, and that word believes there is the word pistis, or in this, in this case, it's pistio. All, guys, where, what, how is that word sometimes defined? Anybody know how, what? Faith. faith. It's the same word the writer of Hebrews uses to describe faith, pistis. Because that word can be described, can be defined, or can be translated as belief, trust, faith. Remember, our only job in our salvific process, we talked about this during our summer in the Solas, our only role is to believe our part of faith that is believing in the promise of God. So let's look at your second talking points question. And this was why you were given a white 3 by 5 card. I just wanted to give you a place to jot these notes down if you wanted to put them in someplace other than your note sheet. But here's what I want you to do. And I'm just going to give you a minute, even though I know we're a little behind the time, I'm going to give you a minute to just think about this. Take two minutes to tell God's story. Now, you're not going to tell it to each other. You're going to tell it to yourself. Here are the questions. I just, even if it's just a word to make you think. So, so here's the first thing. What kept you from God? Write it down. What kept you from God? In a word, in a phrase. You can flesh these out later. Like you can, probably a bad choice of words. You can add to this definition later. Like as you think through how to tell your story in two minutes. When you're sharing with somebody. Hey, let me just tell you a little bit about who I was before Christ which shouldn't take an hour. You should be able to do that in 30 seconds. I was a God-mocking atheist. That's who I was for 24 years. All right. What kept me from God? My pride. I didn't need him. Because I was all that. I had it figured out. Next question. What happened that caused you to respond? I'm sorry. The next question is: How did God draw you to Himself? Again, just jot down a word or two to make you think about it. What? What? What happened? How did God invade your space? Remember, these are written in your on the. This, these questions are written on the back of your little sheet here. It's, t- it's talking points too. How did God invade your space? Well, with Paul, He knocked him off a donkey. He's like, like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, I don't even know who you are. And he said, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. But what was your experience? Third part is what happened that caused you to respond to the call Maybe there was a major life event. Maybe there was, you know, maybe, I don't know what it was, but just, you know, jot down a word or two. And then the last one is, so how would you describe your withness today? And guys, this is where we probably ought to spend more time as Christians. When people share their testimonies, we spend way too much time talking about who I was before Christ. And maybe even the incident that occurred or the things that God did to get me to on my knees or on my face before the Lord, but we spend very little time talking about, now here's, here's what it looks like for me to walk with Jesus today. And I think part of it is because a lot of our walks aren't worth talking about. Okay, so does your life, which goes to so that last statement I made, does your life give evidence that you believe heaven is your home? If someone were to follow you around for 48 hours, if someone were to look at your Facebook feed or whatever your thing is and go back through your history, would they say this is a person who is following Jesus to heaven? And if I follow them, I might get there. Well, do you boldly share his power filled story? So do you do you believe, do you even believe his power filled story? Here's our third point about his overwhelming righteousness. So we're on verse 17. Here's our third four. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. So remember, so remember where we came from. It feels like a long time ago in my brain that we were just talking about the first part of this. So, so he says, I'm not, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, for it is the power of God by its very nature, the story, the message God has been telling by its very nature is the power to save anyone who believes. The question is how? Well, because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. That word righteousness there is often, is often um, translated in your Bibles as glory, holiness, set-apartness, Right? So as he's saying, so the so the glory of God is revealed in the gospel, the right. But but Paul uses this word for righteousness, like it, it is used forty something times in the Book of Romans. That's why the title of our series is "Righteousness Revealed." But righteousness is used by Paul three different ways. And this is important, guys. This isn't just a word study. I, I, I prayed a lot this week, yesterday, this morning. Don't let this just be a word study. Because, but words matter. The meaning of words matter. And if all we see is righteousness as the glory of God or our right standing with God, then we're missing one of the things that righteousness is. Because righteousness is those things. One of the ways Paul uses righteousness a lot in the Bible is just it is part of God's nature. Just like holiness just like glory, just like omnipotence, just like omnipresence, righteousness is just part of who God is. Another way that he uses the word is how, it apl- how he has applied it to our lives. So righteousness is who we are now. Guys, you got to understand this. This phrase right here, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, this is what made Paul Paul. This one sentence is what made the Apostle Paul be used by God more than any human beings who ever lived to turn the world upside down for the gospel. Literally, the fall of the Roman Empire was because of Christianity. And nobody picked up a sword. And they defeated the most powerful nation in the history of the world. How does that happen? Because the power of the gospel is living and active. It is real and Paul was used by God more than anybody else to do that. Why? Because here's the thing. This is Paul's story. Who was Paul before he was Paul? He was Saul, a self-righteous Pharisee. He thought he thought he was righteous. I'm righteous because I'm I am I'm Paul. I'm an I'm a Pharisee. He has this encounter with Jesus. <laughs> and it didn't just lack it wasn't just a short period of time. For for several years there's a reason Paul encounters Jesus in the late 30s A.D., and doesn't actually go on his missionary journeys for like 12 years later, it's because he and Jesus were having an ongoing conversation. And, he, and Jesus was training up Paul. And he was doing that by going, let me just show you who I am. So Paul, I think I'm righteous. He sees Jesus and he gets just a glimpse of, of what real righteousness looks like and he realizes I am nothing. But then get this, then he realizes that the good news of the gospel that he hears from Christ is that Christ's righteousness, this amazing righteousness that he gets a glimpse of, is applied to him. Yeah. Guys, like, like, that's you if you're in Christ. Hallelujah. And it changed everything. He's like, wait a minute, I just went from being, I thought I was all that, to I realized I was a complete sinner, to now you see me as completely righteous? Righteous? You see me as glorious? Why? Because because Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 61.10 that he has covered covered us with garments of salvation. He has clothed us with his robes of righteousness. Who was Isaiah talking about 700 years before Paul and Jesus? Jesus! He's saying, God has clothed me with his righteousness so one of the ways the word righteousness is used is it just defines who God is. The, another way is it defines who we are in Christ. He has applied his righteousness to us, so we are now righteous. We just are. But the third way it's applied is a lot like that idea of saving or of, of, the, of salvation. It is, it is God's act of saving us demonstrates his righteousness. So God is just, if all God did, let's say, let's, say, let's say none of this was here. Jesus never came. Could God reveal to us his righteousness? Yeah. And he will to a world that rejected him. He is just, he is holy, he is righteous. He could just, I don't know, some, like big light, I don't know, whatever, some like alien spaceship. He could have done whatever he wanted to reveal his righteousness. But one, one of the ways he, the only way he could reveal this part of his righteousness, this meaning self-saving us, was to save us. And the only way he could do that was to come here. So the other way Paul uses, and the primary way Paul uses righteousness is, God shows us his righteousness by his willingness to come here and save us. Like that, and guys, that's the biblical view of the word righteousness, as it defines God. We have to understand, like God is right. Yes, he is holy and he's glorious and he's all those things. And he's also good. How do we know? Because he came here to save us. So then get this last part. So he says, well, this, so he says, for the righteousness, the glory of God has been revealed. Guess what the word there for revealed is in the Greek? Apocalypto. Where is that word used in the New Testament? All the time. Revelation. In fact, that's what the word is. It is the apocalypto of God. It's the unveiling of God. That's what Revelation, singular, it's not Revelations, it's Revelation, one of them, and it's Jesus, and, he, and it's why that, that's why that title is given to that book at the end of the story. And he says, for from it, the, the, the righteousness of God has been unveiled to us. From faith for faith. Now, i gotta, I, I got to take a minute and explain this, because this... This, this confuses a lot of people and it's going to set the stage for the rest of this letter. These last parts. For, from faith, for faith. Some of your Bibles might say from faith to faith. The way your Bible translator translated the, this, this phrase tells you a little bit about what they think about their ecclesiology and eschatology. About the church and about end times. And I'm not going to get into all that because Paul is later on in the letter. But here's what I want you to understand. It is not saying that... that God revealed himself to the Jews, and now he's revealing himself to the Gentiles differently. That's what, what some people say from faith to faith faith of the Jews, faith of Christianity. What that does is it makes way too big a difference between the Old, the, the old and New Covenant. Way too big a difference, right? There is a difference. I'm not, I'm not denying that there's a difference. I'm saying that difference is a lot flatter than we think it is, because, and, here's, and the Greek tells us this. Here's what this really actually says. It says, you are saved, you are revealed, the, the, the righteousness is revealed out of faith into faith. The word there for from is the Greek word ek, E K, it means out of. The Greek word for for is the Greek word S, E I S. It means into. So, what does that mean? I, I, I get that this is a lot, and I, you know, I probably should have prayed more. Um, here's what he's saying he's saying that out of the promises of God that the Jewish people believed that were always meant for all the nations you have been saved into the family of God from the faith of the promises of God you have been saved into the promise of God in Christ that's ultimately what this means. In the interest of time, I'm just going to go to our last point. So how, does your life give evidence that heaven is your home? One, do you bold, so do you boldly proclaim his power-filled story about his overwhelming righteousness that leads a life of faith? And here's, here's what he says at the very end of, our, of the final part of our only two verses. I told you there was a lot here in just two verses. Here's our fourth four. Four, in quotes, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul is, Paul is pulling the, for, the story forward, the gospel story forward from the book of Habakkuk. That's, he's quoting Habakkuk 2.4. But it's important for us to understand the context of Habakkuk. I'm not going to have you turn there. Here's what Here's what Habakkuk, Habakkuk was a prophet that lived right before Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. So 600 BC, not a good time for God's people, rough time. Here's what God says through the prophet Habakkuk. This is what Paul is pulling forward to the gospel story. He says, for the vision is yet to be to the appointed time. He's saying the vision of Christ is not, yet here. It's not here yet. It hastens towards the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. Now, guys, they were waiting for his first coming. Most of them missed it. We're waiting for his second coming, and most of the world will miss it. And he says, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Behold, now get this. Here's the difference. This is how it relates to how Paul is trying to use it. Behold, the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Guys, we're, and, and you're going to see when we get to next week's message, if you hang in there and haven't given up on me, verse 18, he's going to say, guys, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's the people that are so proud, they will deny the need for the gospel. That's the rest of Romans 1 that we're going to look at next week. And then there's the people that realize who they are apart from Christ and want the righteousness of Christ applied to their lives. That's Those people will live because of the faith they've placed in the promise. In fact, a better translation of... I'll end with this. I'm going to have the music team come up. I'll end with this. Kevin Wiest, who's another really a, a Greek scholar that, um, that I've read for many years and, and really appreciate. Here's how he translates these two verses. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the good news. For God's power it is, resulting in salvation to everyone who believes to Jew first and also to the Gentile for God's righteousness righteousness in it is being revealed get this on the principle of faith so based on the promises of God to give faith even as it stands written and the one who is just on the principle of faith shall live guys understand this Remember where we started, the question, does your life give evidence that heaven is your home? We talked about these four fours. The reason the four fours are there is because in verse 15, it says, I am eager to share the good news with you. And then in verse 18, that we'll pick up on next week, Lord willing, he says, the reason I'm eager is because the wrath of God is coming. And he's saying, and, and, and the only thing that stands between the wrath of God and, and it being applied to you and your salvation is the good news of the gospel that is the power of God because it reveals the righteousness of God. And if you believe that, you will live. That's how, that's how the end of verse 17 really should be translated. Those who believe in the promise of God will live. The prideful ones that don't won't. That's just, that's the gospel message. That's ultimately what Paul is trying to tell us. So the question for us is obvious. Do we, do you really believe the promise of God? That only in the gospel is the revelation, is the righteousness of God revealed, unveiled? And if you do believe that, how can we not share it to a world that's, that is dying? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for... I do thank you for the beauty of your story. I thank you that, that even though, as I'm trying to explain it, it just melts my brain because that's who you are. Lord, I want to pray that if there's anything that came out of this mouth that was incorrect, not of you, not edifying, not worthy of your praise, Lord, I pray that you would just erase it from our minds. Don't let that stuff go into our hearts. But Lord, the things that are true, the things that are right, the things that are excellent, the things that are worthy of praise, the gospel, the real gospel, the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, the gospel that reveals your righteousness. Lord, let that sink down deep into our souls. Let that that change us. Let that compel us to tell people about you. That your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) you <laughs>